be opening your Bibles to John chapter 4. We'll be continuing our study of that chapter this morning. John chapter 4. 577 will be the invitation song. So, once you get your Bibles turned to John 4, you can turn your song books to 577. That will be your invitation song after the lesson. Last week we did the first part of this two-part sermon uh, series on Jesus, the politically incorrect evangelist or preacher. Uh, Jesus, of course, was one that said what was truth because he was truth. John 1 and verse number 17, he was full of grace and truth. And because he was full of truth, he did such in a very clear, very uh, faithful manner to his Lord and Savior, or his, to his, towards his God in heaven. And we notice several things about Jesus and his encounter with this Samaritan woman. Number one, we notice that Jesus did not let culture close the door to a soul. And here it is, this this man, being a Jew, Jesus, encounters a Samaritan woman. And of course, we know from history and from this text even, that relationship between Jews and Samaritans was not one that did not mix. Many times... That when Jews were traveling and they came to the city of Samaria, they would go around it because they didn't want to see these Samaritans. They didn't want to intermingle with Samaritans. They didn't want to be around them. But Jesus did not let that close the door to this individual or to this soul. We do not need to let culture close the door to souls today. We don't need to let uh, people's um, ethnicity or uh, gender or whatever it may be close the door to souls. We need to understand that Jesus died for all all nations. And He commanded us to go into all the world and teach all nations, Matthew 28 and verse 18, and that is because all souls matter to Jesus. We notice, secondly, that Jesus overcame fatigue there in John chapter 4 and verse number 6. He was very weary, He was very tired, but that did not stop Him from going and doing the will of His Father. He overcame that fatigue, and He went and did that in which He was supposed to do, and that was to teach. When you remember Galatians uh, 6 and verse 9, we don't need to grow weary in well-doing. Remember that, that if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, that foxes in the uh, foxes have dens in which they can lay, birds of the air have nests in which they can rest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Remember that Jesus engaged with friendly conversation. He said, please give me a drink. John 4 and verse 70, he took that and turned it into a spiritual conversation. Jesus also chose a time when others were not around, and that is, of course, important because... When we're teaching somebody the gospel, we want to minimize distractions. We want to minimize uh, the things that are around us. That's why we do a Bible study in our homes or in a church church office where it's very quiet, where we can focus on the matter at hand. We don't study the Bible at Cracker Barrel. We noticed also Acts chapter 1, there where Apollos was taken to the side by a couple uh, and taught and rebuked the way of the Lord more accurately. We notice that Jesus was not off put, by, put off by offensive statements as the woman made in verse number 9. We notice that Jesus offered her something more than she had. And we notice that Jesus had to point her in the right direction. And Jesus did not ignore the sins. We know that this woman uh, was living a sinful life. One that um, she, when Jesus asked the question, who is your husband? She says, I, I, have, this, I have five husbands. Or verse number 16 through 18. And uh, Jesus did not put put that off or hide that or, or try to put it under the rug. He, he addressed the issue at hand, and we need to address sin when sin is uh, brought forth. Jesus emphasized sincerity and truth, 
And that is where we left off in verse number 24 because Jesus is truth as I've already mentioned. Our first point in the second second part of this lesson can be found in verse number 26 of John chapter 4 and that is Jesus identifies the Savior. Jesus identifies the Savior. Notice what he says in verse number 26. Here, here's the woman is, verse number 25, and she's very confused. She said to him, I know that, that the Messiah is coming. I know the, the word Messiah means the Christ, who is called the Christ, as she clarifies there, or as the text clarifies. When he comes, he will tell us the things. So she understands the Old Testament prophecies. She understands that, hey, Jesus is going to come, that he is going to be called the Messiah. But you know what she's missing? She's missing the fact that she, he is, she is talking to the Messiah. She is missing the fact that, hey, she is sitting there, the only person, has all his attention, talking to the Savior. And what does he say in verse number 26? Jesus says, I am of, I am speaking, I, I who speak to you am he. Basically, in more common vernacular, hey, you're talking to the Messiah. I am the one that you are talking about. I am the Christ. I have come in the flesh. Friends, when we talk to people about Jesus, we got to understand that Jesus is our Savior. You know, we don't talk to people about the Bible just to talk to them about the Bible, but what's the whole point of a Bible study? To point them to the Savior. To point them to the one that can save them from their sins. Matthew chapter 1, and verse number 26, His name shall be called Jesus because He will save the people from their sins. Friends, what's the whole point of a Bible study? It's to get them to salvation. But they have to understand who's the one that offers them salvation. It is Jesus the Christ. There in John chapter 12 and verse number 32, Jesus said this, And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Jesus is the drawing power of our work. There is no message on earth more powerful and effective to present the lost than the gracious Jesus the Christ. You know, when you look at Romans chapter 6, There it's talking about the gospel. And it's talking about Jesus going and dying, being buried, and raising up. But what is it really talking about? It's talking about us obeying the gospel. But why is it that Romans 6 is such a pivotal passage in a a Bible study? Why is Romans chapter 6 such an important part of a Bible study? It's because it's pointing them to Christ. It's showing that Jesus was the one that died on the cross for their sins, buried in in a tomb and raised up to walk. A new life, and he overcame death. And if we're going, if we understand that Jesus is our Savior, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do what Jesus did and be buried, died to ourselves, be buried in water, grave of baptism, to raise to walk in newness of life. So we understand that Bible study has to point people towards Jesus. We have to make sure that people understand Jesus is our Savior, and that's what Jesus did here. Secondly, this morning Jesus used one contact. To lead to many other contacts. Look down at verse number 28 and verse number 29. The woman then left her water pot, so she left the well, went on her way into the city. Now what's there in the city? Many people. And said to them, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? What would she do here? One conversion, or one conversation rather, led to another that led to another. How are we going in reverse of here in America? You know, we sadly are on the decline in the United States. But what about one conversion? What about one 
contact. You know, a few weeks ago I preached a sermon entitled, Save One Soul. Save One Soul. Think about the power of one soul. And that's kind of what we see here. How This woman who encountered Jesus, who had a conversation with Jesus, and what was the first thing that she went and did? Go tell the whole city, hey, I think I found the Christ. And he told me everything that I've ever done and led more contacts to them. You know, in our, in our evangelism model, that begins with contacts, that leads to prospecting, that leads to Bible study, that Bible studies leads to baptisms, Baptisms leads to new converts. New converts lead to a growing church. You know why we have, why it starts back over again? Because once you have new converts, you know what you have? New contacts for the gospel. Because what's going to happen, hopefully, is they learn this new truth. They, they've never seen this before in the Bible. They've, they've never understood that baptism is essential for salvation, that Jesus only built one church. All these biblical truths that you go through and back to the Bible, you know hopefully what the first thing they're going to do is? Hey, you gotta teach my family. You gotta teach my friends. You got you gotta teach these other people. You know what that, that emphasizes? That one contact led to what? Multiple other contacts. The power of one here. And that's how we can do it. We need to save one soul at a time that will hopefully lead to many other contacts and many other conversions. Another point that we see emphasized here is Jesus took advantage of a spiritual opportunity. At the cost of physical loss. Look at verse number 31 down through verse number 34. There, here Jesus said, in the meantime, his disciples urged him and saying, Rabbi, eat. And of course, Rabbi just means teacher or, or master here. He says, teacher, just, just eat. But he said to them, I have no food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to him, to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to him, My food is to do the, the will of him who has sent me and to finish his work. Effective evangelism, effective, effective personal evangelism takes sacrifice. We talked a lot about sacrifice this morning. There's times when you're going to get tired, like we talked about Jesus getting tired earlier in this chapter. But it involves physical sacrifice. There's going to be a window of opportunity that can quickly close in personal evangelism. Don't put off for tomorrow what you have for today. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2 says, For it is said, there's an appointed time, there's an acceptable time, and today is the day of salvation. I have before you, behold, the accepted time is now. Now is the day of salvation. Friends, Jesus says, hey, I'm not going to slow down and eat because I have things I need to do. My food, my business is about going to do the will of the Father. Look down at verse number 35. You know, verse 35 is a verse here that a lot of people know. A lot of people probably even maybe memorize. It's a verse that's very well known. And what does it say? Do you not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look in the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. And many times we, we, we emphasize that last, last phrase there. Behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for they are white, ready for the harvest. I find it interesting that this verse, many times we quote a verse, but we don't look at it in its full context or its full vision. You know what, what we see here? That this verse is found when it's talking about the Samaritan woman. In the, in, the, in the same chapter as the Samaritan woman. And what is he saying? Hey, lift up your eyes. Look out there. 
for there are people ready to teach the gospel too. Jesus believed that there are always souls ready for the harvest. People might be saying, well, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not ready here in the United States. There's always people ready. Jesus taught that. Look up, lift up your eyes. For the fields are wide unto harvest. You might be thinking, they're, they're wide unto harvest in Latin America. And that's true. That's true. I, I, I don't, I don't think I told this last week. The man that I began a Bible study with when I was in Costa Rica a few weeks ago, he was baptized in Christ on Sunday. You might be thinking, man, that, see, there's, there's the point. But you know what we did? We took advantage of an opportunity, going back to the last point. We took advantage of an opportunity of a visitor being in our services there in Costa Rica. And he had questions. And we went through the Bible study with him. You might be thinking, you know what? The fields are wide unto harvest. But friends, there's people sitting in our pews, people visiting our assemblies, people that we work with, living in our own communities that are ready to hear the gospel. We need to work with them, and we need to teach them the gospel. We don't have to go to Africa. We don't have to go to Latin America. We don't have to go to Australia to find the fields of wild and the harvest. We can find them right here in the United States. Here Jesus is talking about, lift up your eyes, for the fields are wide and the harvest. And in this, in this whole chapter, what is he talking about? A woman that's living in sin. Friends, fields are wide and the harvest. The question is, are we going to take advantage of the harvest and go work in the fields because there's souls that need to be won. Look at verse 26. Here's our next point. Jesus saw the joy in the future of both soul winners and the soul that is won. Look at verse number 36. That's where we see this point. And he who reaps receives the wages and gathers fruits for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Friends, there is no greater joy than to, than earth, than soul winning. It is contagious. Because you know what happens? We see one soul obey the gospel. And that, that, that lights a fire under us, right? It can be done here in the United States. And then somebody else teaches their friend the gospel. And then before you know it, you have baptism after baptism after baptism. We talked about how negativity in Bible class is contagious. But friends, also evangelism is also contagious. If we can just get our members to teach one person, what if we just got our members to teach one person the gospel? And each one say converted one. How many people would we have here? We'd be double because everybody would be doing that. Friends, the joy of soul winning. Yes, it's hard work. Yes, it's 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 difficult work at times. Yes, it's it's a lot of labor intensive work. But friends, the joy that you have. I mean, I think James understood that. Go with me. Hold your spots here. Go with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Here in this context, I understand that it's talking about a Christian and him converting from the error of his way. But I think the same is true from a non-Christian converting. Look, look at James chapter 5 and look at verse number... Uh, look at... Uh, where is it at? Verse number 15. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord raise him up. And if he committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Actually, verse 19 is what I was looking for. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. Now, I understand in this context, it's talking about somebody that was saved, a brother, that wanders, that falls away from the church, 
and, and turns back to the truth. What does he say? Let him who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What joy that brings, right? From understanding, hey, somebody that was once saved that fell away from the church has now come home. What joy that brings them because you saved a multitude, saved a multitude of sins from that person, covering a multitude of sins. I think the same is true for somebody that's a non-Christian. Somebody that was never once a part of the member of the body of Christ, that was outside of Christ, that obeys the gospel and is now a part of Christ and part of the saved. I think there's that same joy because you're doing the same exact thing, covering a multitude of sins. We need to have a understand that both soul winner and the soul is one is a joyful occasion. Next point is Jesus recognized that some conversations require time and more than one teacher. Require time and more than one teacher. Look at verse number 37 through 38. Notice this. For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you a reap, sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Friends, you know, sometimes it takes more than one teacher. It takes more than just one occasion to teach somebody the gospel. You might, you might try to work with that person. You never can get in a Bible study with them. But then somebody comes along and befriends them and gets in a Bible study with them. That's okay. Maybe they have an edge that you didn't have. And that's perfectly fine. That's why we are the church. We fit together, knit together. Go, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 to, to notice this point more. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 to notice this about working together and how that there might be uh, conversions and conversations require more than one person. Notice here 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 5. Here Paul then says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. Now notice verse number 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the what? Increase. What does that mean? Hey, Paul or Paul here says, I planted. I was one teacher. And then what did Apollos come do? He came and taught some more. He watered that seed in which Peter, uh, Paul taught and planted into the hearts of men. And what did God do? He gave the increase. It requires more than one teacher. Sometimes you, you might not be able to get across to a person. Hand that Bible study off to somebody else that might be able to. They might be more effective with it. That's why we are the church and we are many members of the Lord's church. Some conversions require more than one teacher. It takes more time. Each individual is different. And we need to understand that. Look at verse, look at the next one. Verse number 39 through 41, we see that Jesus rearranged his schedule when souls were at stake. Jesus rearranged his schedule when souls were at stake. Look at verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he did all that he, that I ever did. So the Samaritans had come to him. They urged him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own words. What was the first thing you discuss in your lives or in, in business meetings or whatever it may be? What's the first thing that happens? 
Many times it's about the parking lot, the building, or whatever it may be. One thing I'm excited about when y'all look at y'all's agenda, the first thing on there is teaching, preaching, and things like that. Because that's what the work of the church is all about. It's about saving souls and teaching and preaching. And here Jesus did what? He, he, he was ready to depart. He was ready to go on. But what does it say there at the end of verse 40? He stayed there two days. He wasn't in any kind of rush. He wasn't in any kind of reason to get going. But he stayed there two days. Why? Because he understood the value of those souls. He understood the value of staying there and teaching them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Telling them who he was, what he was going to do. And he understood that, hey... I'm I'm willing to rearrange my schedule because souls are at stake. We need to make sure that souls is the first thing that we think about. There's a sticker that many people have on their bumper cars that says, Think souls. You know what happens when you think souls? You're going to convert souls. Because it's going to be the first thing on your mind. You're going to do whatever it takes. The idea of rearranging your schedule for souls... But showing, hey, this is a priority to me. Hey, I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to convert that person. I'm going to do whatever it needs to be done to teach that person the gospel. Look down at verse number 42. Notice our next point. Jesus knew that one person cannot reach all types of people and that a team is more effective. A team is more effective. You know, you, you look at different college teams. You look at... Different high school teams, you might be thinking, man, that, they got a great player. They got a fantastic player. But you know what happens when they play another good team and that one, that team takes that one good player out of the equation and they shut down that one team? You know what happens? That team loses. But friends, when you work together, when you have people that, that work together as a team, when you work together as a church, because you know what the church is? The church is a team. It's made up of many different members. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 27. Members in particular. we got to work together. And that's why we have our different talents. Look at verse number 42 of John chapter 4. He says, Now when they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of that which you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Evangelism is a congregational work where everyone's talents is needed. Some will be planners, while others will be cultivators. Some will be helpers, while others will be teachers. This is why we have the church. This is the body that is made up of many members for one purpose, and that is to glorify God in the spreading of the gospel. Personal evangelists are not politically correct. Sometimes our statements are truth. But we don't ignore the issues or compromise the truth. So when we look at this story of the Samaritan woman, we notice a lot of different points. But there's one thing that we need to emphasize. One soul is valuable to God. No matter their ethnicity, no matter their their background, no matter their past. But this is the thing about their past. We can't ignore their past. We have to address the issues at hand. And we need to confront them about their sins. But we have to work hard. We have to work together for the cause of Christ to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, you have your... This sermon is designed to go along with your bookmarkers. And I hope you have your bookmarkers. I hope you're praying for the names 
in which you're writing down. You just need to be writing down ten names. If you don't have a bookmarker, I think there's some in the table on the back. But you have those names, and that's what we're going to call our individual list. I'm going to show you a PowerPoint of this probably Wednesday night if you're here. But there's a individual list, and that's your individual list. And this is the point about working together, about working together as a team. That's your individual list. But you know what's better than trying to reach somebody individually? Letting us all work together to try to reach that individual together. Let us help you in reaching your ten names, in reaching one person of your ten names. And that is by sending cards, by adding them to our, our contact list as a congregational contact list to mail cards to, to encourage them, to invite them to church services, to let them know thankful that we're visiting with them. And friends, that's why we have the church, to work together for the spreading of the good news of Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you can become one by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, by confessing any sin in your life, by confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and be buried in a water grave of baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. But maybe you're here this morning and you have fallen away from the church, you can come this morning by confessing any fault in your life, just like James chapter 5 says, confess your faults one to another, and God is faithful and just to forgive you. And if you do that, James 5, 19 through 20, tells us that you save a multitude of sins by converting that lost brother. Maybe you're your lost brother this morning. Maybe you just need the prayers of strength. Maybe you're going through something. We're glad to pray with you and for you. If we can help you anyway, come now as together we stand and as we sing.